Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Stone Table. My name is Mickey, and I am a worship arts coordinator at Baylife Church. And my name is Travis, and I am the teaching pastor at Baylife Church. And welcome to our debrief episode, where we will be talking about and debriefing our last two podcast episodes. Yeah. Where we sit down with Angela Spiegel to talk about art, and we sit down to talk with Pete Stewart about discipleship in Scotland. Yeah, we we got uh, kind of a late start on this episode. Yes, um, just so a little bit. We had every intention of of doing this earlier when we were at the church today getting ready to record services and we brought all of our podcasting gear and I had it all set up nicely in my office and as soon as Mickey walked in we realized that I hadn't actually brought the power cable so yep <laughs> so uh so it is 9:45 at night and we are in our house. Yeah. <laughs> recur- recording a very very late debrief. Yes. So thank you to those of you who are staying up with us and who are anticipating this episode maybe a little bit later than normal. Yeah. We're sorry about that. Um, I, I also say that as kind of a deep like a, a disclaimer in yeah. case we say anything that doesn't make any sense. Like we're Oh, we're a little man. sleep deprived, right? But I am really, I'm excited to talk about these episodes. I thought that they were really, really fun to fun interviews to do, and and there was a lot that was captured in them that I think is worth discussing. Yes, definitely. And I think it was really cool that we've gotten the chance to interview people that we know and we're friends with, and it's such a cool opportunity to be able to sit down with just friends that we have that are using their gifts and their strengths, um, you know, to further God's kingdom. So that's very exciting. So we're really grateful for the time that they've spent with us talking about these things, um, kind of in the middle of a crazy time. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just, it's great to be able to sit down and talk with friends. A lot of the people that come on the show are folks that we're fans of because mm-hmm. we've read their book or we've listened to their podcast or, or even heard sermons from them or listened to music by them. But in particular with Pete and Angela, these are people that, that we've known for years now yeah. and are, are actual like folks that we see in the day to day, or I guess we saw in the day right. to day <laughs> when, when we were out and about. And, yeah. and one of the things well, Pete, that, via, yeah, via I guess, video chat. <laughs> I guess Pete, we just texted because he's in on, video the, chatted, yeah. on the other side of the world. So not much has changed in my relationship with Pete <laughs> since things closed down. But, but the other thing that I, I like about both of these is that each of them is kind of coming from a little bit of a different church background. Yeah. And so so Pete is a, a Reformed Baptist over in Scotland, and mm-hmm. then Angela is coming from kind of a, a Reformed-ish background. I think her church leans a little bit more towards the charismatic expression of the gifts. And, yeah. and even that, I think, captures one of our goals with this podcast, which is to bring Christians of different backgrounds, different denominations, and even different parts of the world yeah. together to sort of share the wisdom that comes from thinking deeply about the, yeah. the issues of faith. Absolutely. There's so much wisdom that we can learn from and, and other believers and from different parts of the world and from different uh, traditions. So this has been a hope for us as a podcast, and we are very excited that we get to delve into these episodes and into these interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's maybe start with Angela. Yeah, let's start with Angela. First of all, if you guys haven't checked out Angela Spiegel, you have to. Yeah. She is so cool. She is not only a talented artist in the visual arts, but she's also a photographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I mean, she mentioned this in the episode, but... She her her first medium is not even sort of pen and paper. Yeah, art. it's sculpture. It's sculpture. So she's just kind of she's, she's like just an all around, and she's a musician. She right. plays instruments. Yeah, she was in a band with her husband Zach yes. that was awesome. 
back so, in the day. So. Yeah. Angela seriously is one of the coolest people I know. She is a total embodiment of what it is to be an artist, right. what it means to be a true artist. And yeah. it's so many forms. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I liked about this interview, and, and I, I think it, it brings out something important and worth talking about is how collaborative that that Holy Week devotional yeah. was. That was such a that was such a work of of communal conversation. It was. It, it wasn't something that I just kind of came up with by myself and then put it out to Bay Life. Right. It was something that we worked on together and there was give and take and 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 a lot of uh, dialogue that went mm-hmm. into producing something like that. Yeah, and for me it was my first time ever getting to work on a project like that. Um, I know you've, Travis, have worked with a couple artists before mm-hmm. for like sermon um, artwork, but I'd never been a part of anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it was super fun to be able to kind of come up with concepts together mm-hmm. and then talk through them with Angela and, you know, figure out what would work stylistically, theologically, what is going to work um, visually. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just a very cool process. And so I'm very, very happy with how everything turned out. And I think Angela did an incredible job. Um, but it was truly a communal effort. Yeah. It, it's crazy how uh, you can come up with an idea, mm-hmm. but then it takes someone else to kind of build on that and say, okay, that's a great idea. How can we make this better? Or how can we turn this into something tangible and vice versa? You yeah. know, it's, it's yeah. a very much give and take, especially when you're creating art. Yeah. You know, one of the, the great theologians that tackles the, the integration of faith and art is a guy named Jeremy Begbie, who's book is in that pile over there somewhere. Um, and, and Begbie's whole idea, he's, I think he's a Methodist theologian. He's up at Duke. And and I think I've sent you a video of him playing the piano and talking about how like piano chords teach us theology. Remember that video. But, but his whole thing is that orthodoxy, like right belief about the gospel Uh requires art. It requires the, the sense of an artist to communicate in a way that's compelling but then art also needs orthodoxy. It's yeah. kind of this give and take that that a, a Christian artist can't just be unhinged from theology. Right. They have to be sort of working within the, the, the framework of, of the Christian tradition within totally. the bounds. But at the same time, theologians and, and people who are more cerebral and scholarly, they actually need artists to help them express these, these vast concepts about mm. God and faith in the gospel in a way that's tangible and, and, and doesn't just engage our mind, but engages our hearts. Yeah. And I felt like that, I felt like unintentionally that was happening in our right. dialogue with Angela as we produced this devotional is we were saying, okay, what are the themes we want to capture theologically? And then mm-hmm. she would talk about, well, artistically, we could we could just paint something like Jesus wearing a crown, but there might be a or better way to convey this idea. Totally, totally. And since you started talking about this, we really wanted to convey this in the imagery for Holy Week. Mm-hmm. And so that was the project that we worked on. I believe it's still available, the devotional, if you check it out online. Yeah, I think if you, baylife.org slash Easter, it's still yeah. up. Yeah, so that's just something that anyone can go and take a look at. And I know the artwork is posted all over our Baylife Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But what we really wanted to do during the period of Holy Week is kind of convey the images that have to do with each day of that week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went through scripture we went through commentaries and that was a really big part of putting together the images for this and i just love how each photo or not photo it's not a photo it's an image yeah art and piece call it a piece piece, each piece piece, was each piece uh was a representation of the events according to that last weekend jesus's earthly life yeah yeah and some of them were a little 
Yeah. Well, last week before the crucifixion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, each one was kind of different, and and there were there were elements of uh, theology that were captured artistically, and I think that's what made Holy Week such a powerful thing for us yeah. as a church was that. We weren't just reading words on a page in the devotional or hearing words spoken in a sermon. Right, they were accompanied. They were accompanied by by art and images that helped us to sort of capture a sense of what was going on. And mm-hmm. one of the other things I just loved about this project and about the conversation with Angela was diving into this theme of being an artist in the church and yeah. and the role of the arts in the life of in the life of God's people. Because it's it seems like when you say something is is Christian art. You, you, maybe it's a movie, right? And you mm. say, that's a pretty good Christian movie. Right. Christian or that's is, a pretty good movie for a Christian movie. Right. Christian is almost the qualifier because there's this assumption we have that if something is Christian art, it tends to be bad. Right. And unfortunately, <laughs> I think that, that tends to actually be true. Like yeah. most Christian art is not particularly good, but we, we should aspire to artistic greatness. If, if our God is the God of all beauty, right? we, we have to get better about that. Totally. And, and there's definitely a sense in which uh, you've seen it like in, in, um, in just the design in church history, mm-hmm. right? The yeah. cathedrals, the more traditional churches that have stained glass windows that are just adorned in, in artwork. Uh, the, the church really benefits from having artwork inside right. its walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of reminds me even of the uh, the stuff I've been reading from Peter Lightheart lately. H- have you been reading that book, yeah. The Apolitan Liturgy? Yeah, it's so good. He, in, in the beginning of the book, when he's kind of introducing the things that he's going to talk about, he talks through how, it, the, the book is mainly about liturgy. Right, yeah. But he also engages, or he also talks about how the church engages with the Bible with liturgy and the culture mm-hmm. and how they're all kind of synonymous. Right, they all yeah. go together. Mm-hmm. And an interesting thing that he said was the culture of a place in which a church is located, mm-hmm. it gets incorporated into the liturgy. Right. Yeah. And and there there is this temptation in the, the Christian life to think that all culture is bad and, yeah. and all forms of expression outside of the church are not good things. But I think what what Lightheart is getting at in this book is that each place has its own language, which is a product of culture. Each mm-hmm. place has its own sort of musical genres that that are right. prominent within it, which is a cultural habit. Art, yeah, habit. Yeah. Right, yeah, and and all of those things find their best expression when they're brought into the worship of the church. Mm-hmm. So language kind of finds its its ultimate end when it's used to proclaim the gospel. Right. And, and musical genres find their ultimate end when they're brought into the worship of the church. Yeah. And art finds its ultimate end when it's used uh, with with wisdom, because mm-hmm. we, we want to be careful here, but when, when art is used in service of the worship of God's people. And so that was the goal of this project with Angelo was that totally. art would be used to to serve God's people and help them think afresh about the work of Jesus. That's right. Okay, so let's talk about our interview with Pete Stewart when we talked about discipleship last week. Yeah. So that was a really fun interview to do. This was my first time getting to interview Pete. And I met him actually maybe a couple weeks before on video chat right, for the yeah, first yeah. time. Yeah. So I actually was, think it might have been days before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, like, 
I don't know. It all kind of blurs together. Yeah, in quarantine, honestly, doesn't it? these days are all blurred together. Yeah, but I do know that that was like probably our our second or third time talking. Mm-hmm. So he was so graciously agreed to do an interview with us about discipleship and what their church over there looks like right now in these days. Right. Yeah. And and Pete is a friend of mine who I've known probably since 2016. I I met Pete in November of 2016 when we led a team over to Glasgow, Scotland from the college ministry. And then our, our church has since partnered with Pete's church, I guess for four years now. Yeah. And actually, I think in the winter of 2018, I was in Scotland for like almost a month mm-hmm. living in Pete's attic. Yeah. So, so I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned this in the interview yeah. that I kept falling down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete actually has like this three-story house, but the third-story stairs are really, really, really steep. Steep. Oh, and gosh. so I would slip down them almost every morning and wake his whole family <laughs> up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was, it was a blast getting to talk to him and just kind of see where their church is at and just kind of hear some of the differences that they're dealing with over there. I know with uh, what he explained to us are the schemes that they live in. So Mm -hmm. they're very, very tight knit communities, right? Yeah. They're, I I mean, he, he says they're, they're kind of a a combination in America of like a housing project and then like a trailer park. And I I guess that's accurate. They're, they're the more low income communities. If I remember my history, right. They were actually built right after world war two. Oh, okay. With the intention of housing returning soldiers and, and they, they, at least some of them were, maybe not all of them, but that's kind of the, the origin of the development of, scheme communities and so they do become really tight-knit everybody knows everybody and even when i was over there i would talk to people and ask them how long they've lived in berlin which is the name of the the scheme yeah i i think i say that right i've been practicing for Uh, years you say it better than me for sure (laughs) but but everyone i talked to had lived there their whole lives and their parents had lived there and and so they're they're really close-knit communities but there's a lot of issues yeah that go on there as well that need the hope of the gospel. Yeah, for sure. And and I love when we when we talked about discipleship and its effectiveness when we invite people to walk alongside us in life. And that's what I so appreciate about the ministry that they do over there in their church and in 20 schemes as a whole. It's been very very cool to be able to hear just what works for them and what's been just really encouraging to mm-hmm. them and what's just been effective. It's, I mean, the, the reality is that there are basic human issues that are, that they go across the board. They're, yeah. they're global. The, the fundamentals of discipleship are universal. Totally. At the same time, there are, there's also distinctives of discipleship that are contextual I know when I was I was in a missions class in seminary, and one of the things the professor said that I really loved was that he said, the more that you experience the rest of the world and the mm-hmm. church and the rest of the world, the more you realize that a lot of the things that you thought were biblical were really just strong preferences of yours. Mm. And the, the more you realize that the, the, the biblical basics work everywhere, yeah. but your preferences, you need to be willing to give up for the sake of the gospel. So true. And and it, when, when we're dealing with those categories of what's what's a, a preference and maybe a strong preference and what's biblical, I actually think hospitality is is biblical. biblical. Like that's, that's one of those things that is universal in discipleship. Yeah. And, and I feel like we've experienced it even in our own lives. Before the shutdown, we were having people into our home and, yeah. and talking with them, and it was a really powerful way of of helping others grow in their faith and growing in our own faith. Yeah, for sure. I just I really appreciated that that aspect of their discipleship and 
just how effective it is to really just walk alongside people in their lives and and, and uh, just have them tag along on a grocery trip or meeting for dinner weekly mm-hmm. and just being really intentional about the time that they spend um, with those in their scheme. So that that was just really, really encouraging to me because that's the sort of life, you know, I hope that we have, you know, I, I hope that we invest in our home so that we can invite others in. Yeah. After all this is over. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I hope that we can be the kind of people that can just live alongside those who just really need to see Christians not only just talk about what they believe in, but really live out what they believe in. Right. And that's, you know, my hope and prayer for us and for all of us. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's only really possible to to do what Paul did when he says, imitate me as I imitate Into Christ. Christ if you let people see how you live. Right. Um, right. And, and it's it's only possible to, to do that if you also do what Paul says when he's writing to the Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, we were so dear to us that we didn't just share the gospel with you, but our lives as well. Yeah. And, and there's maybe a crisis in the American church of being unwilling to mm-hmm. disciple people by inviting them to watch how we follow Jesus. Yeah. And maybe that's because we're scared that in, in making mistakes in front of people that sure, will ruin yeah. our credibility, or maybe it's maybe it's just because we're selfish with our time. Yeah. But but ultimately people are discipled both when we get things right, but also when we get things wrong. Oh and, yeah. And that's what I loved about what Pete said, which is that people in his church have probably learned more from watching him <laughs> get mad at his kids and yeah. have to apologize right. than they have in all of the sermons he's preached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, there's something so valuable about that. Um, but yeah, so as we as we just kind of talked with Pete and and just how hard that is to do now with the restrictions that they have because they're on lockdown, mm-hmm. um, and and so their reality has changed a little bit. And so I think that just you know like the rest of the world, they've been doing the best that they can to uh, make sure that they still communicate with their church members, disciple them, and live mm-hmm. alongside them virtually now. And I, just, and I just feel like there's some encouragement there to know that we're all in this together. And- sure, yeah, yeah. And and I think it's, you know, w- one of the goals that, that we have with this podcast is to bring the perspective of Christians from different denominations and different portions of the world together. And so often Christians from the the other side of the world can bring us uh, a perspective that we don't have. But there's also something really sweet about hearing a Christian that's you know five thousand miles away in mm-hmm. Scotland, and they're going through the same thing we are. Yeah, uh, that they're they're trying to figure out how to do discipleship from a distance, just just like we are. And that should also prompt us to pray, shouldn't it? You know that the yeah. whole church is going through the same thing together right now in this moment. And we're all just leaning into the spirit and asking God to give us wisdom and how to care for his people. And so, man, I think that should prompt us to pray for Pete's church. I know Pete's church is praying for our church and and to pray for uh, God's church scattered throughout the nations as, as we face the days ahead, just asking God for wisdom and asking for courage. so much for tuning in to this episode of the stone table if you have found this episode helpful please be sure to rate and subscribe it helps us to get the word out if you've got any questions or if you've got any topics that you think would be helpful or you find relevant please feel free to send us a message at the stone table at baylife.org for baylife church i'm mickey and this is the stone table <laughs>